is uh, part two of possessing your inheritance. And, uh, and so I want to just line by line, take, get some notes and get, get the pen and get your Bibles ready. But I'm going to fly through this because I need to. But I, I want to just preempt. Uh, I just want to give you some of the overview of the sermon. It'll, it'll just entice you. And uh, as Christians, you've got to understand this, that we have a spiritual and physical inheritance. There's a physical and spiritual inheritance. I can't expand, but I'll just, just let you have that and then we'll expand on it in a moment. Our covenantal blessing and our inheritance will never be realized without being where God calls us to be. Now, that's, that's talking about connecting and committing to a church. You won't realize your covenantal and your promises of God. It's in the Bible. It's the dead set truth of the wisdom of God that a person, a family should be planted in the church. The book of Acts says, 17 verse 26 says, And he determined the times set for them and the exact place where they should live. And verse 27 says, God did this so that man would seek him. And we've been seeking God. We've found the place. We know the time in which we live. And God has planted us in a particular place. And when we're planted, it's when we start seeking God. It's seemingly, it's just par for course. You can't seek God hardly and you don't get the breakthroughs by yourselfers. Amen? You've got you to gotta connect with a family because... The church is a bulldozer. The church is a whirlwind. The church is a dynamo where you can come and get blessed in God. Amen? Church is where your covenantal blessing is established through your faithfulness, your commitment, and your partnership with that church. If you feel like you're not getting blessed and you've been part of this house for a year, two years, have a look of your commitment, your partnership, and your faithfulness to the church. Because where you sow, that's where you will reap. In Jesus' name, amen. So, that's a powerful thing. You will flourish if you let your roots go down deep into the place called church, amen. Securing your portion is about prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. There's no way out of it. You've got to pray. If you want health, if you want finances, if you want your blessed assurance in Christ Jesus and, and your sanctified life, you've got to pray. You've got, to, you've got to pray. A season of inheritance. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, reminds us that everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And the, and the, and the year of Jubilee, which they say, the Bible scholars say, that is a future, future time of when Jesus comes and Jubilee. But it is actually a time, a 50-year period, where debts are cancelled and you can claim back your inheritance. And that's talking about favour. I believe there's a time of favour on this house. There's a favour on this house to get married. There's a favour on this house to have babies. There's a favour on this house to get jobs, better jobs, a house. Some people need a house. There's a time and a season where there's favour, a modern day jubilee I'm talking about. A modern day jubilee. God has a plan to see that we possess and secure our inheritance. Our abiding place, I love this stuff, our abiding place spiritually is linked to our physical abiding place called church. There's no doubt about it, God strategically places us in a church to secure our inheritance in Jesus' name. The greatest portion that we as Christians have is, of course, God. Amen? That's our great portion right there. 
we see David choose God to be his portion in the Psalm of 16, verse 11. Then we pass down inheritance down to our children because I'm giving a little overview of what I spoke last week. Then once you've claimed your smile, I said, you know, we were amazed at your smile last week. You weren't in the house, so I'll embarrass you now, Fiona. Um, we said, you know, you've got a great smile. Where'd you get that smile? Jeepers, creepers. And, we said, and then mum said, well, actually, mum was part of this church for a while. We said, man, your daughter's got a great smile. And hey, you've got a great smile too. She said, I taught my kids how to smile as a social etiquette in life. I taught them how to smile and I believe a smile does you good and it does others good and it gets you through life a whole lot better with frowning, amen? And so if you can get your smile back and pass it down to your kids, praise God. If you can get wealth and pass it down to your kids, praise God. I was reading last night of Warren Buffett and what he's passing down to his kids and, and, and Gates and what he's passing down and, and there's a balance in there. I was reading an article how they're letting their kids stand up in their own but they're, they're going to get blessed, trust me, with awesome amounts of finance. But they want, as the world's richest man, they want their kids to stand up and live out their days and secure their own inheritance with the inheritance that they will secure. We pass down an inheritance, Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Amen? Claiming your inheritance is not just for you, it's for your children. That prayer life you're going to get, that holiness you're going to get, that victory in your life. That, 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 that life that is, that is in God, it's going to be passed down to your children. What about if you never possess it? What about if you never possess your inheritance? Oh, I mean, there's responsibility. You can see that in the talents that were given in the parable. You know, two, five talents, two talents. And the one talent, you know, and Jesus came back and, uh, or, the, or the rich man came back and he said, what have you done? Oh, I did nothing with that one talent. It was hardly anything anyway. Look, I was too fearful of you anyway. Uh, but the guy with five, he got another five. The guy with two, he got another two. And God says in his parable there, I was very pleased with them. So it's what you can do with the resource called your life and possess more of your life, possess more of your inheritance and then give glory to God in that, in Jesus' name. Amen? If you have lost your inheritance, God has a plan to restore it. Position yourself now. That's what the preacher's about. And out of the ruins, out of the ruins you will come. Isaiah 61 verse 4. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. God wants to prosper you. 3 John chapter 2. Read it. God bless you. So that is the, the backdrop to the second part of our message. Possessing your inheritance. Say possessing your inheritance. Hope you got your notebooks, your pen, your Bible. You're looking great this morning. Can you give me about 20 minutes? Ho! Give the Lord a ho! Praise God. It's important to remember this scripture and it's in Psalm 16 verse 6 that I welcome you to church. You're looking snazzy, you're looking blessed, you're looking great. Some of you bought some new shoes again. I hope you're not using your tides to buy shoes and uh, I'm looking, I'm making sure. Don't buy hamburgers with it. Don't buy a cardigan with it. Who wears cardigans anyway? The kids are trying to dress me in cardigans. They say they're in again. Cardigans are in. I was trying to wear them five years ago. Dad, don't put that cardigan on. So, uh, you know, that, that is not cool. Now they reckon cardigans are in. So, everything has a season. Psalm 16, verse 6. Meaning of inheritance. Say inheritance. That's your covenantal blessing. 
And that's the promises of God. If you want to know what your promises are, look in the Word of God. And if you want to know what your covenantal, the love, the covenantal love relationship God has with you, you need to even study that. If you're more than a year old, study the covenant and what God has absolutely committed Himself to you on and through and about. He wants to absolutely bless you, but you've got to get with the program. You've got to get with the program. I said you've got to get with the program. You've got to get in the house, planted in the house. And then you've got to get planted in the Word. Then you've got to get planted in God. You've got to plant yourself and you will be blessed. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Who can say that this morning? The boundary lines are very important. We had the boundary lines re-established on this property. And, you know, our fence was out about 400, which is about, what's that in the old uh, measurements anyway? It's about, how much? 16 inches. And it was. I mean, the guy said, your boundary lines all along McPherson Road are out. You have actually claimed all this section down this road. Uh, how much again was it? 16 inches is all yours. Taken back. And, 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 you know, some people don't realise what they got in Christ. We didn't know what we had as 11. We were just happy to have 11 acres. But God says, I've got more for you than this. See that old rickety fence there? That's coming down. We pull that old rickety fence down and then we get the surveyors out, the plumb line, which is the Word of God now. You get the plumb line out and you put that plumb line beside your life to find out where you are in God. That's what the Word of God is. That's what the Bible says. Plumb lines are what they used to use in old building practices. Do they still use that? I don't. Do they still use it? Yeah, they do. Oh, okay. And they put that plumb line down and it actually shows the very uttermost, I'm going to say perpendicular, but the vertical, the vertical line. So if that pole's out, which it is, as Frank and I were praying, they said, these poles are out, man, in this tent. If we put a, a plumb line there, we would see that that is out. And if you put the plumb line beside your life, you can see sometimes that some of your life is out. <laughs> Amen? Oh, I love this. So the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, David says. He's singing this. He's declaring it. Webster says, inheritance is that which is inherited. Ah, a legacy, a heritage. <laughs> He's a clever guy, Webster, isn't he? A heritage, I'll start off with that. What's inheritance mean? Well, it's got to mean something you're inherited. Okay, thanks. Uh, a legacy, a heritage, a, a property title, a position derived from one's ancestors, a position derived. Some of you precious people have fought long and good and you've won the battle for salvation. Now you're going you're gonna to give it to your kids. So when they do your, your eulogy and, oh, mum, she was a prayer warrior, or, or dad, he was such a faithful guy and, and uh, the kids are bathing in the glory and saying, there, that's my dad. That's my mum. That's, that's what I got. That's what I'm getting. Some just, you know, quibble over and quabble over the, over the, uh, the, the stuff, you know, the, 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 the house and the finances. And they don't understand, you know, that we value as Christians, we value the virtues that our parents have. We, that's why I said, have a look at your grandmother. She was probably a prayer warrior. She, have a look at your grandfather. He was probably a, a faithful mighty man, you know, and go back maybe. So my daughter went, I said last week, my daughter's gone to live in London and she's gone to Wales where I was born and she's gone to the library and found out my records of birth in Wales, Newport, Wales, and she's found out beyond that that some of my parents or grandparents, great-great-parents 
were um, actually uh, did some great stuff that I want to glean from and stand on and say, yeah, uh, my, my great-grandfather apparently was an organ player, a piano player in the silent movie. And he was a young kid. Dad was an alcoholic and, and so he would toddle off down to the cinema and they would hire him as a 14-year-old, a 15-year-old and play, you know, Dad, drunk dad would say, where are you being, kid? And the kid would, you know, sneakily pass all the money to mum because mum had no money to buy any food, you know. And I'd say, great, what a great kid, you know, what a great ancestor that that young guy is. Amen? And so, look, all the other stuff, just leave out, you know, if your dad was a bank robber or, please, uh, don't subscribe to that. Oh, my dad was a famous bank robber. Oh, I've got to get myself a gun. I've got to get myself a... <laughs> oh, this is awesome. I didn't know this. I'm doing life too hard, nine to five. My dad was successful and rich, uh, transporting arms and uh, moving cocaine from uh, Mexico. Oh, I knew I... Yeah, no, please. <laughs> so we established our boundary. Book of Joshua has boundary lines as its theme. As its theme, If you look at the book of Joshua and we know Joshua is the guy that crosses the Jordan and takes God's people into the promised land. Say promised land. And that's where we're going. We don't want to, we don't want to flounder in the wilderness. You know, Moses with his people floundering 40 years and then he, all the unbelievers die away and they're pressed up against the Jordan. And, but here's this warrior warrior, warrior, amen, if you want to say it like that. And he's a, he's a mighty man, Joshua, and he's able. He used to hang around the tent of meeting, the presence of God. He's a prayer, he's a lover of God, and he's downloading from God. And he's saying, no, I know what to do with these, these scallywags. I know what to do with God's holy nation. We're going in. And the old Bible preachers used to say, enter in, amen, enter in. You know, and they're talking like, get into the kingdom, get into the promises, Take your inheritance. It's all in God. Amen. It's not so much in the carnality of life. It's in the spiritual dimensions of God. Your portion is God. Your, all the other stuff comes too. Land and material blessings and all that is part of it too in Jesus' name. So we, see, we, we say that there's new generation, these young people that are outstandingly serving God. Communion, we saw the giving message this morning. I find they have money on them. I find they have an anointing on them. I find they have faith on them. Don't you think, Maria? I think they honestly do, that they are being planted in this house and because of that they are receiving God's covenantal blessings of being anointed. David was after his anointing and that's what he was singing that psalm for. 16 verse 6, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. was a prophetic cry, a prophetic song to say, my God, you want to anoint me and I should be king and I'm on the run from Saul. So really, it's a little bit about the physical and the spiritual, amen? They say that these new breed of worshippers are the Joshua generation. The Joshua generation, they cross the river and they take out giants. Say giants. They take out giants and cut those giants down, the giants of poverty. Some of these young people are our biggest givers because they've cut down those ancient giants that a lot of us baby boomers used to suffer by and were relegated by. Amen? But these young people say, no, man, I want to be like Gatesy. I want to be like Warren Buffett. I want to be, like, I want to be rich. 
I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be uh, poor. I, I want to do for God. I want to give for God. I want to see God do all He can through the resource which is my life. But the resource called finance and say Amen. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says about salvation. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Your salvation should be an indescribable gift. Once you've taken your, your body back from the devil, <laughs> once you've taken your soul back, once you've taken your spirit back and your life is sanctified, blessed, optimized in God, in prospering body, soul and mind and spirit, once you've got that, Paul says, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift of salvation. That's what we all should be saying. And trust me, that's what you, that's what you minister from. That's what you testify from. Man, this indescribable gift. It's awesome. You've got to come to church. You've got to come to God. You've got to know this God. You've got to experience this God. It is indescribable. Can I hear an amen? After you've claimed your life back through repentance, the Word of God and the anointing, say repentance. Say the Word of God. Say the anointing. That's how you claim your life back. Claim your life back. You can't do it on a wing and a prayer. You claim it back in the Word of God, the anointing. Praise God. And you take your body back. You get your body healed. You take your soul back. You, you allow those bad appetites for life. If you're a gambler, if you're a sinner, if you've got addictions, if you've got wrong, wrong lusts of life, the pride of life, you take that soul to Jesus and you crucify the flesh and you allow God to bless you and to sanctify you so you can feel good, think good, be good in Jesus' name. By grace, amen, and not the law. Systematically taking your life back. Right, I've got one leg healthy, now I'm going to get the other one healthy. No, that wouldn't work out. How would you get one leg healthy? And the other? it just wouldn't work out. <laughs> I see guys at Penang Boys Home. I worked there for six years and they used to inadvertently work too much on one arm, maybe the strongest arm, and they get the biggest dumbbell and they just crucify their arm. And man, the veins and the... Man, and, and the other would be half decent, but it wasn't as pumped. Do you know what I mean? And so we've got to get that systematically taking back your health, taking back your soul, taking back everything that is God's. Ezekiel 36, verse 33. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. On that day, I cleanse you from all your sins. I cleanse you from all your sins and then I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. I love that. Who loves that? Then you will rebuild the ruins. Then it says in verse 36, ah, here's more. In 36 it says, Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed that I have rebuilt that life, that was destroyed, then they will know that you have been rebuilt <laughs> what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. And I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do it. I will. He can do it. He can rebuild you. I don't know if you saw the bionic man, but that was a great saying in the 70s. We can rebuild him. The bionic man, he had a bionic arm and 
What else did he have? I don't know. Hey? Two legs, one eye, one arm. Two legs. I tell you what, I went for a walk yesterday. I needed that. I could have done with some bionic legs yesterday. I don't know. You just let it slip for a week. You don't walk for a week. You go out and you do your walk. You go, why am I so... Why do I feel like a 50-year-old today? No, I, I rebuke that. Where's those bionic legs? Why, haven't, why aren't they selling them yet? Point one, this is how. This is what will restrict you from getting your inheritance. And listen prophetically, this is what God's doing. We're taking back your inheritance for you, your soul. We're taking back the inheritance of the church. We're rebuilding the ancient ruins. The church for many years in Australia, a lot of it languished in ruins. Are you with me? And now you've got these young Joshua generation guys saying, no, we're going to worship God with fervor. We're going to give with passion. We're going to love the church. We're going to support the church. So the Joshua generation, really, this surge of young people, generational young people, are really the ones that are supporting. And I'm talking about the ones in their 40s, their 50s, but their 30s, their 20s. We're all young, aren't we? But it's these young ones too that are really coming up right behind us and doing a lot of great stuff. This is very simple and I'm just going to try and glance it as quick as I can. Point one, sin will stop you from possessing your inheritance. Sin will stop you. And and listen, the first thing is is this ignorance. A lot of people don't realise they have all this great stuff in God. They don't understand it. So we have an understanding issue. Whew! You've got to understand the precepts. You've got to understand what this journey and its implications mean. Once you've got your life on the road, there's, there's laws like traffic laws. You can't just do what you want. You've got to drive on the right side. The Bible says you've got to drive in the narrow lane. The narrow lane, amen. I want to drive on the full-blown highway. I like that autobahn, man. I can drive fast. Gee, who was that? Oh, he just got saved, man. He just doesn't quite know the speed laws. Okay, well, Holy Ghost will pull him over. Some people can get saved. Whoa, here they come. But there is a narrow way and there's these precepts, there's these, this style of life, but the, 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 the lifestyle that God wants you to live will allow you to reap your harvest reap your harvest of your inheritance. Amen? And a wrong life, a disobedient life, a sinful life, you don't get anything. You don't wake up in the morning feeling good. Your prayer life's not happening. You've got no faith to give. You can't get to church. God, you think, thinks something other about you other than what He really thinks about you and He totally loves you. Amen? Amen? This all happens when you get yourself out there in the Broadway. Amen? You've got to know. You've got to know how. Another aspect in ignorance is this. Yesterday's revelation. Say yesterday's revelation. You had yesterday's revelation. It got you so far, but that's it. Now you're one revelation, Johnny. And that's all you, that's all you are. And you've come, to the, you've come to a ceiling anyway. Let's be honest. Put your hand up right now. No, don't. <laughs> you've come to... And you're almost banging your head against... The boundary lines. You go, I know, I, I know he gave me more than an acre. I'm sure he gave me two acres. I'm sure he gave me three. 
I'm sure he gave me four. And, and you keep finding the same boundary lines around your life. Well, I would suggest to you fresh revelation to systematically pull down the enemy's plans. Amen? And take back, they talk about possessing the gates of the enemy. Possess those gates like Samson. Pick those gates up, throw them over yonder and walk into that expanse of your life, your inheritance of your life and claim back what is yours. Can I hear an amen? Come on, guys. If we resist the spirit of truth which enables us fresh power against Satan. This is an ongoing journey for us to take back our inheritance progressively because the Bible says glory to glory. Glory, we should never stop and, and that's it and become stale. We should be claiming our, our prayer life back. We should be claiming our prosperity back. We should be claiming our good conscience back. We should be claiming our holiness back progressively and there's seasons to do this, you're fine. You can't get it all in one go but you can certainly systematically, by the Word of God and by the unction of the Holy Ghost, you take back your health. You take back your joy. You take back your love in God. Amen? You've got to systematically got to study the Bible. We all should be studying the Bible systematically like a builder. That's why I think I'm probably a half-decent minister is because I understand, I understand building. I understand you've got to put the foundations down. You've got to establish Christ, the solid rock on which we stand. Amen? And then you build. You build with this wonderful word. You build on that sure rock and you build a life that is powerful and absolutely able to do all things in Christ. Fresh power to overcome Satan is what we need. Colossians 1, 9, 9 to 14. I haven't got time, but you can go there. Poverty 2, point 2. This is how not to get your inheritance. Poverty mentality. Poverty mentality keeps us from entering our full potential. Those bound by expectations of poverty never look beyond the narrow scope of their immediate lack in order to find God's rich promises for the future. If we expect to live in poverty, whether physically or spiritually, we will not be disappointed. We will not be disappointed. Proverbs 11.24 says, One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. There's no supernatural empowerment of your life to be blessed of God and to be, to be, to be gainfully employed, to be covenantially prospering in Jesus' name. You don't, and, and because you don't trust God. What you give, you think that's, that's gone for good and now you're in lack. But a giver in God, and the Bible says what you give shall be sown under God and reap a harvest. Is that right? Praise God. You've got to lose that poverty mentality, guys. It's going to kill you in the end. Three, false humility. It's sort of like poverty mentality. False humility will cause us to say, I know God has more, but I just don't deserve it. <laughs> Not one of us deserves what God has ultimately given to us, but we claim it in Jesus' name. And when God gave us this 11 acres, wouldn't it be stupid to suggest, God, you've given us 11 acres. Look, we just don't really deserve this. Look, we're happy to meet in the school hall. It's a bit dusty. Uh, we can't have it every Sunday. Uh, we've got to rent it. 
and we don't know, you know, it's not really our place, but look, we're, we're a meek, mild type of people. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to make bones about this. We're, 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 we're false humility, false humbleness, false humility will not, and the Bible talks about the early church being, being bold and courageous, being bold and courageous. Confidence and boldness are linked with faith and belief in the gospel. False humility negates confidence and boldness. Do you know what I'm saying? False humility negates confidence and boldness. And this is what we've got to realise, that God wants us to be strong and courageous. Just like it says in the book of Joshua. Strong and courageous. I'm taking back my smile. I'm taking back my life. I'm taking back my wife. I'm taking back my... (laughs) Amen. I'm taking back. And that takes courageousness. The early church was bold church. Romans 1.16 I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. Laziness is the other one. And we're only going to be able to do a few of these. This is the laziness. Though we may not feel that we deserve it, some of us just may not want to deal with the responsibility of the inheritance. Hey, that's a good... That's a good notion. Look, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to pray. I don't want to be successful. I don't want help. Uh, I don't want to be a part of the church, building a large, influential church. Uh, uh, I'll go down the road and belong to a smaller vision that really is just happy to meet and do what they like doing in God. But this is big responsibility to build this church we're trying to build. And God says, will you take dominion authority? This is your responsibility. I'm giving you five talents, C3 Tugger. I'm giving you five. Oh, can you make it one, Lord? We're a bit fearful of you and you're a hard man. But what about just one? We've got a great backyard. We'll bury it and we'll give it back to you. But no, what about two? Two. Look, we can make another two. But, but, but five? You want to give us 11 acres and a thousand cedar auditorium? And you want us to believe for the central coast and the nations? That's just too much. And we can say, you could say right there that we are being lazy. Lazy. Luke 14 or 12, verse 48 says that, To whom much is given, much shall be required. We don't possess our inheritance just for our own benefit. As we come into this full covenant agreement with God, then God says, now I want you to meet it out. Now I want you to bless others. This church, C3 Tugra and the, the, the bigger version, the new day, which we're just only weeks from, is going to bless many. Much has been given, C3 Tugra, but much will flow through you and many people you will influence in Jesus' name. Parable of the talents, Matthew 25. You can see that there, how it says that fear is number five. Is that number five? Fear. Some people do not want to take the risks that may be required to order their inheritance. Maybe... God propositioned this land to another church. Maybe God propositioned this land to someone else. But fear, fear is something that will stop you laying claim to your inheritance. Amen? We need to break that fear and live in faith and reach into the future for ourselves, our church and our cities. We break that fear, we put on faith and we lay claim to all who we are in God. We stand up and then we lay claim to what all is the churches and then we stand up And then we lay claim to what the city should be in God. Let thy kingdom come. Let thy will be done. 
And then we stand up in that, and man, you are standing in a big day. You're standing under a huge vision, and you are standing under a humongous God that wants to bless you every which way. Amen? If you do that. Fear, 2 Timothy 1.7. Paul admonishes Timothy, timid Timothy, not to be ashamed, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power. Say power. power. Of love. Say love. love. Of self-discipline. Say self-discipline. And look at these. God wants to put on, God wants you to put on faith. 1 Thessalonians 5.8, jot it down. Putting on faith, to grow in faith. 2 Corinthians 10.15, to grow in faith. This feels bigger from being in this church. Who's claimed some of their inheritance in faith? In faith. Who feels bigger by belonging to such a big vision? We've taken responsibility. We haven't been lazy. God gave us this. He said, take dominion authority of that which I prepared even before you were born. Take a hold of it. Put a church on it and do some rocking for my son Jesus, Father God says. And that's what we're doing. Not being lazy about it. Being diligent. Six, presumption, fantasy, deception. I grew up with some young guys growing up and they always had fanciful ideas how to get rich. <laughs> Guess what now? Stone, cone, stone cold broke. Destitute body, soul and spirit. Grew up with some kids that just diligently applied their life, did what they had, with the talents that were given and they are amazingly successful and they are blessed of God and they're doing quite well. So, what can stop you from getting your inheritance? Presumption, fantasy and deception. Sometimes you just got to say it to be true. You're deceived. Some people say, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, doing that. No, that is not of God. That won't work. You're not going to get your... Seven, seven, past wounding immobilizes us, unforgiveness, need to be healed, need to get trust back, claim your inheritance back. Woundedness will stop you getting your smile back. Woundedness will stop you trusting people. Woundedness will stop you trusting your church. And that's, that's, oh, I know I'm done. Eight, rebellion against authority figures. You cannot secure your inheritance until all authority structures are in place and even abiding the rules, on the law of the land, the civil authorities, the road rules even. God can't bless you if you're doing crazy stuff. You've got to learn to honour the protocol of responsibility through every institution that you encounter, including the Ferris, Ferris wheel operator at, at Luna Park. When he says, put your legs in, no, I'm not putting my legs in. Who does he think he goes, bang, oh, okay. That didn't work. <laughs> Psalm 16 verse 5. Lord, you have assigned me my portion of my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I love that. Romans 8.37, now in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Generation, generation, Genesis 22, verse 17. And your seed shall possess the gate of the enemies. I'm not going to say it like that in the NIV. 
but we'll say it if you find another version called maybe the King, King James or the New American Standard. It talks about you shall possess the gate of your enemies. Well, it's about overcoming. I'm done, I know it. I can see you there saying I'm full as a good. I don't know if I can take any more. David knew his, David knew his portion, which was in God. Flute playing and Stratocaster playing out in the fields with the sheep. Like the big Daniel, Daniel Crouch right in the fields. Dad saying, what are you doing there? So it's okay, just, just, just practicing the scales. And David had this amazing ability to know his God, to hear from God and to know, his, and to know that he was called. And then his fight began to claim his anointing. Samuel had already anointed him, but he was on the run now. Some of you have been anointed in salvation, but you feel like you're on the run from Saul, a giant or something. But David sung unto the Lord. And David said, The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I know what you have said, God. I don't know who this guy is, this madman, but I will be king one day and I will bring justice. I will bring your will to pass. He was so, I think he was so not self-abasing, not, not, not vain, not, not lazy, but he knew when he walked to that big gorge, that valley and saw Goliath, this, this prophetic anointing came upon him, don't you reckon? And he said, because he was so in touch with God, he was so on fire for God, when he turned up alongside his brothers, who were well trained and could have, you know, should have been taken this to the to the to the enemy. David said in his, you know, all of seventeen, in his shepherd boy clothes, he said, I think I can take the guy on. My slingshot, my God, my God will take this guy out. If he is causing this anguish toward towards God's people, the nation of Israel, he will use just me if need be. And that's the sort of spirit I'm seeing in our young people. If someone else doesn't do it, I will do it. I can do it. And so young David, he goes down into the valley, he gets those five stones and one stone was all he needed because he said, virtually he said, in the name of God, in the name of the living God, I come against you. You come against me with javelin and spirit, but I come against you in the name of the Most High God. And he set that rock, that smooth stone ablaze with a prophetic accuracy. And God, the angels were around him marching. I believe there was angels marching beside him. And they grabbed the stone and just like I just saw a scene out of a movie. Help me. And there's this stone. It's out of his slingshot now. But this angel, warrior angels, got the, got the living stone. The stone that the builders rejected. Christ Jesus. That's the stone. That's the name that overcomes the enemy. That's the name that overcomes the enemy. That's stopping you getting your inheritance. And that stone was planted on the forehead of that giant. What giant do you have? What giant is in the life of this church? What giant is stopping this nation getting saved? There is coming a Joshua generation but with a David anointing and we're letting the stone, the, the, the builders rejected the stone, the living stone, Christ Jesus and that stone is coming against every obstacle, every mindset and every devil that tries to stop the church arising and being all that it can 
And those, they are the people that God is summoning in this hour. And that is what God is saying in this hour. We must overcome the enemy to take back all that belongs unto us. We're taking our soul back. I'm taking my smile back. I'm taking my finances back. I'm taking my life in God back. I'm taking my anointing back. I'm taking my calling back. I'm taking my destiny back. Get out of the way. Nine foot giant, I don't care. In Jesus' name, go in Jesus' name. Boldness. Because the early church was bold and anointed and courageous and strong. And Joshua 1.8 says, chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, study the Word, live in the Word, put the Word on, believe in the Word, pray the Word, expect the Word. The Word will come to pass. The Word of God is going to give you courageousness, strength, and give you a mindset that believes in what God can do. Not in what your five senses think is going to happen, but what God can do in your spirit. There's a bit of the old early crossroads anointing there for you, Shane. I had to, had, to do, had to just let a little bit of it out, but I've got to consolidate what God is saying in this hour. Your soul, your children, your family, your marriage. Claim it back. I take it back. Possess the gates of the enemy. Take your health back. Take your life. Take this building. Take this building in Jesus' name. We're nearly there. Four or five weeks left. Take it. Let's all stand. Oh. There is a God in heaven. Listen to me. He loves you.